Welcome to Press B to Cancel, the greatest podcast until tomorrow. Today's episode is Mario 2 versus Kinda Mario 2. But I can't drop the dad jokes alone. I'm joined by the table full of daddies. First, we got Pixel Daddy, Werewolf. How you doing? Uh, I'm good. I have been playing some Lost Levels this week to try and uh, get myself up to speed with the topics today. Great. Speaking of speed, we got the Retro Daddy, Mr. Guy Prime. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well, and I would like to remind everybody about these daddy accusations. Uh, the courts have not come back yet. Well, we all hope for a positive DNA test. <laughs> and I was just going to say, we got the Furry Daddy, but that might be get a little bit awkward. So let's just call him the Handy Daddy, Palsh109. I'm a furry daddy. Oh, God. Oh, wait, I've got a dog. Yeah, okay, yeah. That, yeah, she's I was awesome. kind of going for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going great. Just ready to uh, shed some light on what we call Mario 2 in Eastern Canada. Yeah, and for all of us in, uh, in, the, in the 50 states, it's called Mario. Just in case there's a language issue there. Mario and Mario 2, the Lost Levels is what we're, we're calling them, right? Yeah, so I think for the sake of this podcast, what we'll do is we'll call it Super Mario Brothers 2 USA, and then we'll go with Super Mario Lost Levels, if that makes sense to everybody. Now, the topic is a little confusing. We compare the two Marios. I mean, obviously, the one that we have in North America and Europe is different Japan, and we're going to touch on that. I guess we're going to start with, in the, in the beginning, there is shadow and light. No, I'm, I'm kidding. In the shadow of the 1983 video game Crash... You know, post-Atari, Nintendo's original Super Mario Brothers back in 1985 sold millions of copies and Famicom systems for the company. It was the start of one of the most beloved franchises, but like a number of classic series, our Ginger Plumber had a bastard child. Or some might say two bastard children. Or brats. I I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) Nintendo was keen on creating a swift sequel to its blockbuster hit, and within only nine months, they created, on June of 1986... Super Mario Brothers 2 in Japan. Of course, these days, what most know as Super Mario Brothers 2 outside of Japan is quite different. It's a bit of a forgotten piece of history. It wasn't really until the early 90s in North America and Europe that us gamers got to experience a difficult, unfair, unforgiving game, part of the Super Mario All-Stars collection released on the Super Nintendo. Titled Lost Levels, it's since been ported and released as a hidden unlockable game, part of several collections, and various virtual consoles. So when I say Lost Levels, I kind of want to hear you guys' experience of when you first played it and what your impressions of this, we'll call it, an interesting game are. Who wants to start us off? I'll go first just because uh, I probably have the least amount of experience with it, if that's all right. Sure. Um, yeah, I never even heard of it. I didn't even know until, like, everybody else did, you know, Super Mario All-Stars. That's, that's my introduction to it. And I don't think it was until about two years after that released and I actually played the game that I was like, Hey, this is kind of like extra levels for the first game. And then somebody told me, you do know that was like the original, uh, sec- uh like sequel. Uh, no. So that was kind of mind blowing. And then I went back to it and realized I was terrible at this game. And thankfully somebody made the other one because it's probably my favorite of the original three. I'm sorry, was that was that Patrick Warburton who told you that? Going off of your impression, that was pretty good. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, we'll go with it. But anyways, right, yeah, so I have... Oh, fair... sorry, Paul, keep going. Oh, that was cool. Yeah, no, let's keep on going. I didn't have anything. I was just trying to fill the void. 
It's the void in all our hearts. <laughs> Wolf, please fill it. All right. Stuff that um, hole. I actually got to play Super Mario All-Stars pretty shortly after it released. I had friends who got it. Um, it was at our rental store pretty quick. So uh, when I first got the chance to play Lost Levels, I was really excited. I was like, hey, you know, this, this Mario game that never even came to the U.S. And at the time, I was reading a lot of video game magazines which reported a lot of times on games that were going to be coming from japan soon or games that just didn't make it over for whatever reason they'd still talk about them and be like you know if we're lucky maybe we'll see this and uh that was not one that i'd ever heard of because i wasn't into the magazines that early but uh discovering that this was a, a game that never made it across the sea across the pacific i was pretty excited so I uh, I was happy to play it, and as soon as I fired it up, I just really didn't like it. And I tried and tried; it was just so brutal. What didn't you like? <laughs> just the, just the difficulty, or you know, I I think it had been too long that I was kind of past the original Super Mario Brothers formula for gameplay. Because Mario 2 plays so different, Mario 3 plays so different, Mario World plays so different. Even though 3 and World, you know, are are more direct successors than Super Mario Bros. 2 USA was, Lost Levels just felt super janky to me. And it was hard to go back to. And then on top of that, I really wasn't even a fan of the All-Stars renditions of the games. I, I preferred them on the NES, so... That that didn't help. That didn't help matters at all. Uh, interesting. I actually really love the All Stars release myself, but but I can appreciate liking the originals better. I think it's safe to say that I far prefer Super Mario Brothers two over Lost Levels, and like Pulse one hundred nine, it is it is probably my favorite of the three from the original NES. All right, JP, how about you? What's your first impression of Lost Levels? Well, yeah, there's two different kind of things there. My first impression of it versus my familiarity with it. So, like, my, my first exposure to it was the Super Mario All-Stars. And at the time that that came out, I did not know that that was the actual original sequel to the first Super Mario. What I had been told by uh, probably a cousin, but I don't remember, uh, was that Lost Levels were stages that were created for the original Super Mario Brothers, but did not, quote-unquote, like, make the cut. They were deemed not fitting enough for the OG release. So that was my understanding of what the Lost Levels were. So back then, I I turned it on, tried it. I think I got as far as the first poison mushroom that kills you and said, well, now I have trust issues. I'm not going to play this fucking game. So (laughs) I I legitimately just never made it past probably 1-1 or 1-2 on that that basis. Now, the second part of that, my familiarity with the game, really kicked up way back about a week and a half ago when uh, we got the assignment on, on doing this, this show. And I, I like Wolf said, I, I gave it my best. And I wanted to get into it. But this will fall for me under the category of games I prefer to watch other people play. I found the game enjoyable so long as I was not the one playing it. I don't mind watching other people do it. I actually find it pretty enjoyable then. Yeah, I want to say I got hit by the same damn poison mushroom in the first 20 seconds of the game and died and that was my like first impression of this game 
But uh, when it comes to difficulty, I mean, there is some history to that when it comes to Lost Levels. Of course, the original Super Mario Brothers was the brainchild of Sierra, Sierra, Shigeru Miyamoto, and I butchered that name. <laughs> but he's like the father of Mero. He was the director producer of the original. But there was a member of his team, I'm going to try and say this right, Takahashi Tezuka, a designer on the game, and is his partner. When it came to Lost Levels, Miyamoto was actually busy with making The Legend of Zelda for the NES. So he's kind of had his plate full. So instead, he kind of took a back seat and became a level designer, whereas Tezuka took over as director of the game. And he kind of had his own unique style on the level design. Miyamoto consulted, of course, but it was basically Tezuka who did all the level design and his team. And that's why there's a bit of a kind of a, a different style on Lost Levels. The other part of it was that at the time, Nintendo was kind of straight uh, worried that, you know, Japanese gamers had mastered the original Mario Brothers. They might be bored with it. And that if they're going to bring out something new, a sequel, it had to be next level, right? Players were familiar with the mechanics. They had to do something unique, something a little bit more challenging. The game itself was even marketed to be difficult, right? It showed a commercial of kids playing this game frustrated and, and yelling at their TV screen. The box art, when you translate it, had the term for super players only on the box. So right from the get-go, this was a game for those who mastered the original in Japan, and Nintendo knew what they were doing. They marketed it as a difficult, hard game, right? I wish I saw that warning. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it was lost in translation for us. <laughs> but, I mean, we're talking about a game that features level warps, reverse level warps, the poison mushrooms, wind, punishing jumps. It's just flat out hard. To me, this game very much came across as the precursor to what is now referred to as Kaizo Mario. You know, but... A company like the 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 company that made the game actually made this ridiculously hard rendition of it, and then decided they wanted people's money for it. So it's it's Kaizo, it's like half Kaizo in the in <laughs> in the 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 format of gameplay, and then half Kaizo in the fact that you had to buy it. In my mind, you you basically had to pay to be punished. And typically, I'm into that sort of thing. But I get you at your point. Uh, but the other thing I want to say is, like, if you're out there and you're wondering whether or not you should give the Lost Levels a chance, to me it comes down to, are you one of the people who enjoy, not like Mario Maker, but do you like doing the, the um, retro achievements? Do you enjoy going back and playing the same game in a different way? And I think it's the lack of variety between one and the Japanese two that really turned me off. Part of the thing I love so much about the Mario franchise that North America got was how different 2 was from 1 and 3 was from 2. You know what I mean? And you just don't have that with 1 versus the Lost Levels. Right. The progression between what we know as Super Mario Bros. 2 and the original is definitely a step above. Whereas what the Japanese market got was... Honestly, honestly it's almost like an expansion pack to the original Mario. I really feel that same way the very first level kind of ramps up the difficulty really quick to be on par with what's at the end of the first Mario game. And that's kind of a bit much when you're not well-versed well in the original Mario or you haven't been for so long. What I actually love, a good example, is 1-2. Uh, so I find that the Lost Level is much like the original Mario. 1-1 one, one is kind of the beginning stage to give you an idea what to expect. There's the the, the mushroom, you have to bounce, a difficult bounce to get to the, the power-up. But then there's the followed by the poison mushroom immediately. 
One, two, much like the original, is kind of the first underground level. But what's neat, though, is like the original, there's also a warp zone in it. You kind of have to go out of bounds to the top of the level. And then if you keep going, there's a basically a warp pipe. But instead of the, you know, multiple selection of two or four levels jump like the original, in Lost Levels, that original warp zone is only like one level jump, which is hilarious. But what's really interesting is if you skip that one, if you just, before you go to that warp pipe... There's another warp pipe in that same spot that will actually jump you four levels ahead, but it's kind of hidden. There's like a double warp in one level, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, I kind of feel like uh, we, we keep talking about with the level design. I feel like, you know, as, as Jake, you're talking about uh, multiple warp zones, you know, and all this kind of stuff. I feel like the idea here, the feeling is when you let your younger sibling design a level for D&D or like Hero Quest, you know, you give them a map. They have a general idea of what to do, and they're like, okay, well, you're going to open this door, and there's 10,000 ogres, and none of them can be killed, and they're invisible, and stuff like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just that level of, of absurdity, because you take somebody who has uh, got a good idea, but not necessarily great at execution, and they just run wild with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Like, one of the reasons why I went back to Lost Levels not too long ago, a couple years ago, was with the release of Mario Maker on the Wii U. I was playing that game, which is relies on user-made levels, and I just said to myself, this is just full of hot garbage. Like, Nintendo never made levels this this terrible, this difficult, this shitty. So I kind of went back to Lost Levels to see what Nintendo did as, like, the hardest of it. And there's a lot of parallels between what people are making in Mario Maker and what Nintendo launched in the 80s on Lost Levels. And I should probably point out that Lost Levels, the lead designer, Tezuka, is also the producer on Mario Maker series. So it kind of brings oh, that spirit shit. with them into Mario Maker. <laughs> Wasn't there a point at in the creation of the original sequel, like the Japanese version, that they were almost going to make an expansion for the Famicom system? I think there was something about that. I don't know if I'm misremembering it or not. They had what was referred to as the Famicom Disk System, and it was essentially... Just a little bit more horsepower for the NES, and it let games be stored on floppy disks, which were cheaper and could hold more data than a cartridge. That's what that was released for. It was on the FDS. Oh, okay, that's what I'm thinking of right there. That might also contribute to why it didn't come here, but probably less so than the market not wanting such a difficult game. Yeah, that was essentially it. Nintendo of America was rather selective of what games they brought over from Japan. From their point of view, they had a pool of games in Japan, and they would cherry-pick the best ones they think would do well in North America. Like, they were very cautious because the Atari had crashed terribly, and they didn't want to repeat that failure. So they were a little bit selective. And when they came to Lost Levels, they reviewed it. It was just too difficult for the average American gamer, or at least that's what they thought at the time, and they passed on it. And that's also another thing, too, is that they wanted to distance themselves enough from Atari by labeling their console Nintendo Entertainment System so it wasn't considered, quote-unquote, video games. Right, it has to be fun for the whole family, not sadistic yes. pleasure for the aunt and uncle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm the only one who had that evil uncle. Maybe I am, I don't know. Uh, actually, one thing about Lost Levels I did find actually interesting, and it actually reflects... In the later games is the addition of Luigi as a distinct character. In the original, you could play Mario and Luigi and they're basically the same. But in Lost Levels, the physics on Luigi is actually a little bit different. 
So I'm, I think I'm safe to say that nobody here beat Lost Levels in the last week. I know I couldn't. But I did better playing with Luigi. Did either of you guys try that? I, I didn't even attempt it. <laughs> I tried and failed so hard with Luigi. Uh, I was able <laughs> to get most of the way through World 3 with Mario. Luigi, I couldn't even beat World 1. Yeah, no, I, I did not try any any of it with Luigi. Yeah, for anybody who's wondering, the differences are that Mario is more, he has better traction, but he can't jump as high, and this is the introduction of Luigi actually jumping higher than Mario and being, like, taller. You know, this is where they kind of introduce that mechanic, that trait, but also... The payoff for it was even, it was evened out by the fact that he could jump higher, but he was like he was constantly on ice, so there was no traction. Exactly, and that was felt even in uh, I want to say New Mario Brothers. It came for the Wii U, or was it the one for the Switch? I can't remember which one, but there was one where they released like a Luigi DLC for the game, and it still had that Luigi specific mechanics, like the walking on ice, that fluttery jump, and even Super Mario Brothers Two USA also kind of has that movement in it as well for Luigi. The jump and the uh, less... It, it it didn't translate into not having as well as good attraction, but instead he just couldn't run quite as fast as Mario, and I think he took off to run speed a little slow. I don't remember if that game actually did that or if it was instant speed when you dashed. It's definitely distinct, though. And... I don't know if it was because because the walking on ice type physics, I was more cautious playing Lost Levels with him that I did better. I made it, I think, to level four, I think it is, before I finally ran out of lives and threw my head against the wall. <laughs> but did you guys, um, I know we're saying how far we made it or didn't make it in the game. And did you guys go back and watch anybody do like warpless runs of that game? Are you familiar, familiar with the later levels? Oh, absolutely. I watched speed runs and I was... Thoroughly embarrassed how, how well people do in that game. Yeah, like, and, and honestly, starting around like 4-3 all the way up until about 6-2, there is some aspect of each stage that is, to me, like, jaw-droppingly... Well, jaw-dropping, I guess, is really where I should have stopped with that. But it's just so balls-to-the-wall. Like, they were... They, they adequately uh, discerned, no, this is too hard for people. And it's, to me, because of the middle part of that game. The opener and the closer... Very doable, but the middle part of that game is really where it's it looks so insanely tough. See, where I got thrown off is the fact that I've, I watch a lot of friends streaming Super Mario randos and ROM hacks and stuff. And when I saw one of my friends actually playing the Lost Levels and struggling and seriously struggling, I was like, okay, I feel a whole lot better about myself now because, you know, I gave up early in it and I, you know, Probably for the best, because there's no way I would have beaten it when I saw my friend struggling at it, and he's probably one of the best players I've seen at it. Right, yeah, that it's the, it goes beyond the NES difficulty to this whole other level of, this doesn't even seem fun now. Yeah, even, even in the first few levels, there was a point where you're on the ground, and there's a pipe platform at the top of the screen. You have to find the invisible block... And then you have to manage to get enough run speed to jump up there and time your jump right so that you can jump backwards or something because most of the time you're not going to get it forwards. And then you still have to have the momentum to jump way up to the pipe because if you slow down, you won't have the speed. And you have to do all that to time 
with not getting hurt by the piranha plant coming in and out of the pipe. It's just ruthless. What's great, too, is that this has uh, red piranha plants, which the classic green piranha plant, most people know if you stand next to the pipe, it will not pop out. But the red ones ignore that and still move back and forth. Just like in real life. <laughs> GP, if your plants are moving back and forth, you got a whole other problem. Yeah. Uh, Lost Level's way too much of a documentary for me. Hit too close to home. <laughs> All right. Anybody else have any comments on Lost Levels? Or should I switch to the next game? Uh, fuck you, Lost Levels. That's my final Yeah, I, I was gonna... I, I refrained from saying that, but uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree with GP. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's not as personal for me. It's been so long since I actually played it that it doesn't really matter to me now because I'm never putting myself through that. So, yeah, let, let's talk about uh, Doki Doki Panic. So we know that Nintendo Selective, when they brought games over, so Lost Levels was a no-go. That was rejected. So what Nintendo had to do is they had to go back into their catalog a little bit of past releases, and there was one game that was released in 1987 called Doki Doki Panic, like Paul mentioned. Now, most of the people already know the story already. It's not really a secret. But basically, it was originally pitched as a prototype for a potential Mario game, but Miyamoto kind of rejected it. It wasn't good enough for his standards. But instead, it got reused, thrown together, and released alongside of an event, uh, almost like a trade show for Japan's Fuji Television. It's basically an event where they would show off their new TV shows and technology. The event was called, I'm going to butcher this too, Yumi Kojo, I think it is. And its mascot and level themes were all after uh, Arabian Legends. And that's what the game kind of followed suit with. Doki Doki Panic was notable. It had uh, four selectable characters, all different. Addition of vertical scrolling levels, which Mario Brothers couldn't do before. Uh, had a more interactive environment, basically ensuring that children across Japan would throw their turnips and vegetables at all the enemies of the dinner table. So this is a game that was moderately successful, uh, unheard of in North America. At least I didn't know Doki Doki when I was, you know, nine years old. So Nintendo kind of decided to take this game, retheme it into what we know as Super Mario Bros. 2 USA, which they eventually released in 1988. Of the two we've already mentioned, like, I personally love this game more. I love this game, period. It's a fantastic game. But I want to hear your guys' impressions of when you first got to play Mario Bros. 2. I actually got that game shortly after it released. My stepdad, who traveled a lot, when he'd come home, he'd usually come home with a game or two. Is like, you know, here you go, I was thinking of you. So uh, that was one of them at one point. And I immediately fell in love with that game. For child me, it was difficult. And it took me probably a couple of months to be able to beat it but i stuck with it that was there were fond memories there there was leaving the game on overnight while i went to school it, it was that kind of game for me and <laughs> looking back on it that makes me a little sad because i can beat it in like an hour now what's interesting is that when it was doki doki panic in japan it was also for the um, famicom disc system which had saving to the floppy in fact, the game encouraged you to save and play the game with every single character to unlock the actual real ending of the game. So it was kind of meant to be a save game type of thing, but we never got that over here. Did did we get a different ending? Because I've only ever gotten the one. We got what was considered the best ending after you beat it with all four characters. We got easy mode, basically. <laughs> My experience with this game, actually not too different from, from Wolf's, in that uh, my stepdad, well, actually, 
werewolf stepdad who traveled a lot brought it home to me once. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm messing. This was, uh, this was the game my aunt and uncle had that nobody else in the family had. So whenever we would go over to their house during the summer to swim and all this stuff, eventually we would all go to the basement and try Mario 2. And I'm pretty sure of the original three, this is the one I had beaten last. So as much as I enjoyed the gameplay and the music, I think the music is really also an MVP of this game. By the time I beat it, I was old enough to realize I did not like endings that were, oh, it was all a dream. That was one thing I really kind of like mega loathed about Mario 2. Excuse me, and it wasn't until much, much later that I I grew to appreciate it. And I'll talk about that here in a bit. But uh, I loved the game for how absurd it was, how different it was, and the music. And it was so bright and colorful. But I, I never liked the dream sequence ending. Yeah, that, that kind of threw me off, too, because it just felt like, oh, that's... I mean, we got ripped. <laughs> See, I... I, I, I make no... I make no false claims. I'm an oddball in a lot of ways. And for me, at least at the time, the dream sequence ending did not ruin the game for me. I didn't mind at all. I thought I thought it was kind of neat. I mean, these days when it's a dream dream sequence ending, it's like ah, screw it, you guys copped out. But I was what seven, eight years old, <laughs> if that. You know what? I think I think you're talking just like me now because yeah, <laughs> I I don't remember getting offended by it as a kid. I think it's just looking back as an adult. I think it's great that it even had an ending. The original Mario practically doesn't even have one it's literally you've saved the princess in gg and it's over whereas at least mario 2 has an ending sequence i kind of find it charming but to me the redemption for uh the dream sequence ending comes from uh yoshi's island because uh, you know you have these characters like these bad guys and all this stuff that you don't really ever encounter again in the main series until you get to yoshi's island and you realize going back to the ending, at least this is my take on it, the dream ending, it's a dream because he, he's reliving these, like, fuzzy, repressed memories from that one time when he was an infant, and there were shy guys and sniffets and all of those things. So once I had been introduced to Yoshi's Island, in that context, I'm like, well, that's fucking brilliant. I don't know who thought of that, but I want to shake their hand. So I'm, I'm less hypercritical about that now, but when I was younger, I've just never, like I said, never been a fan of Oh, it was all a dream. Never like that. I, now that you mention that, I do kind of wonder if that was intended as a way to sort of reintroduce those characters from Mario 2 and, validate, and validate them. Just with the Mario Brothers 2 characters, like the Shy Guys, the guys with the masks, Birdo, Nintendo will reuse those characters in, in some games like Mario Kart and Mario Tennis. But when it comes to like the mainline Mario games, I don't think any of the those characters from the American Mario 2 ever reappeared in Odyssey or Galaxy, if I'm not wrong. So it's kind of wondering how much Nintendo Japan actually likes those characters. Well, they also put a bunch of them in Super Mario RPG as well. And that's what I was wondering too. Like, which one came up first? Uh, RPG or, as in, like, Legend of the Seven Stars or um, Yoshi's Island? It's a good question. I don't know. But also, like, Birdo, regardless of what you think of him or her, is a hell of a golfer. It's a she now, by the way. Is it? Okay. 
originally uh, i had to look this up one time because i remember i remember reading in the manual saying birdo is a boy who thinks he's a girl and i thought that was hilarious because you know it's you know you don't know <laughs> and it's like you know this anthropomorphic lizard kind of dinosaur but pre precursor to yoshi and i just remember looking that up after because i was i was talking about it and looked it up so originally it was boy that thought it was a girl and then at some point they just changed it and said no birdo's a girl flat out if it was supposed to be male where the eggs come from yeah oh that is a good question seahorses man the males give birth in seahorses so questions i don't know if we can ever get the answers to on this podcast <laughs> so it looks like uh yoshi's island beat mario rpg to market by about seven months oh interesting okay. plus also mario rpg was done by it was square right at the time yeah so totally different teams and, and companies actually yeah uh gp you mentioned about music which is actually kind of interesting because both games were actually scored by koji kondo uh, who's like, I swear he's as part of every Nintendo series ever. He's in everything. He's an amazing composer. Um, I know his name only because he's also done some uh, 8-bit style tunes for Mario Maker, which released recently. But what's interesting is that Lost Levels actually has no new tracks. It's entirely the original soundtrack from the first Mario Brothers game. Whereas Mario Brothers 2 USA, of course, has everything brand new. It's all iconic. And that's another reason why I think I was thrown away from... Uh lost levels is that it it felt like an expansion like werewolf said earlier to the original because they had the same music and sound effects they had new mechanics and the difficulty of course was ramped up to an extreme amount but otherwise it felt like i was playing the same game and i was not like out of that like the difference between me liking two versus three was kind of reasonable but the difference between liking either one of those and the first one was miles apart yeah, I think it would have been a very different experience had we actually been able to play the game on the NES after the original Super Mario Brothers. I think it might have been a commercial flop in North America, but it also might have actually had fuzzy feelings for some people, you know? I mean, there's that quick turnaround as well. I mean, nine months to get a sequel to Mario Brothers would have been interesting in our market. Especially back in the 80s. I do think the market uh, probably was not prepared for such a game between, you know, how recent the video game crash was and how new the entertainment system, the Nintendo entertainment system was and that Nintendo was still trying to go, hey, this is a family fun toy. This isn't video games. And I think I think Lost Levels probably would have pushed that a little too far. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to dump on Lost Levels too much. But, I mean, it, it really does feel like an expansion pack to the original game. Like, even the graphics are largely the same. But where it does kind of excel is it does take a lot of the original elements that we know as Mario and kind of repurpose them. Like a, like we mentioned the red piranha plants. Uh, there's also the bloopers, that squid-like enemy from underwater levels. Lost Levels has that actually in above-ground levels, which is interesting. Yeah, they fly. Yeah, they totally fly in their assholes. <laughs> I saw that, and I wanted nothing to do with it. I hate them underwater. Now they can follow me around while I'm just taking a walk. They just never let go. This is stuff nightmares are made of. I don't care what anybody says. 
But what I really found interesting was one of the levels is toward the end of the game. I can't remember the world, unfortunately. But the one level ends by taking a beanstalk up into the clouds, and the next stage is entirely in the clouds. And this is all in Lost Levels. And when you get to the end of it, the big castle is actually sitting on clouds. So Lost Levels actually kind of had the first sky level for the Mario series, which I think is really cool. Huh. Yeah, that I think was actually uh, 8.3 leading into 8.4. Right, you're right. I think that's, that's right. yeah, the, the final, final fight. And that actual final castle has not one Bowser, but actually has two Bowsers. So kind of the first one's kind of like a mini boss in a sort of way. I can't say that Lost Levels is a bad game because it's just not a game for me. I see why people probably gravitated gravitated toward it in the Japanese market back in the day and why some people still might. There's a reason Mario Maker is so popular. There's a reason that everybody makes Kaizo Mario style stages in Mario Maker. And going back to the roots of that with Lost Levels... I get it. And I can also appreciate that even though they used all the same music in Lost Levels, they didn't reuse all the assets. They actually updated quite a few of the visual assets, and I appreciated that. There was the the trees in the background looked very different than from the first game. The clouds had faces, which, let's be honest, is a little creepy looking in that game. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, it, it they... seems to be much more iconic though now too. Yeah, when once Mario three came around, all the hills had eyes, and it wasn't a problem. The whole <laughs> map full of dancing hills or cacti or whatever happened to be on that map, all having eyes and just grooving to the music for the world. It it was I'll cute and didn't you. creep me out. Oh my god! Every breath you take. Every life you waste. <laughs> we, we need to do, like, bad lyrics to video games. And it, yeah, that's a whole other show sometime. Yeah. All right. Any other final thoughts on Mario USA versus Lost Levels? Paul, should go ahead. Yeah, I think for me, it's, like I said, it's my favorite. And it's probably because it's the one I got to play the least. I was a kid, you know, I didn't have access to buying games or anything. Like, I could rent them. I remember you weren't able to rent two or three at the local video game store where I was. And uh, we didn't have a blockbuster. We were too small a town for that. So I remember the only time I ever got to play it was going over to somebody else's house. And my closest friends and family, they didn't have it. So when I went over to play with somebody new and they had it, it was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, you got this. This is so cool. So I remember, like, the first time trying to play it and just it was blowing my mind because, you know, it starts off nothing like the first one, you know, the the first level you're falling out of the sky and you know the screen keeps on going down so it's vertical first of all and so i was just like wow wow and then you can you know, pick up plants and potions and coins the mushroom gives you more health oh this is amazing <laughs> and uh so i i had very limited access to that so i think that's part of the reason why i held it in such high regards as a kid because I didn't get to play it as much. So when I did get to play it, I was extra excited. And with three, when the three came around, I remember every second person had that. So, you know, as great as it is, I love that game. It's still just, I didn't have as much exposure to the second. So it just became almost like the Holy Grail. Well, just to to Paul's point, 
Uh, I agree. Like I said, my, my aunt and my uncle were the ones who had Mario 2, so we didn't get to play that all the time. But kind of by this, the opposite side of that same coin, nobody owned Lost Levels. But if they had, I'd still have hated that. <laughs> so it's, it's not always scarcity, I suppose. But for anybody who's listening to this, if you haven't played North American 2 or never played Lost Levels, I do think both are worth a look, especially, like I said earlier, if you're the type of player who likes to do rearranged versions of the original game, you know, like the Mario Makers and all that stuff. So if you're kind of in that elk, you'll probably get along with Lost Levels, but for me, I'm hands down, you've got to make it the North American 2, just on basis of color, playability, and, and soundtrack. It's just heads and shoulders to me, a funner, a more fun experience than Lost Levels. Oh, and uh, to that regard as well, I, I mean, I recently played through Super Mario Brothers 2 four times, once as each character only. So the, the experience of playing that game through its entirety with each individual character, it just feels so different. You still end up learning the game and all that, but it's just such a different game with Toad versus Princess, you know what I mean? Not only did you play through all four characters, you also dressed up as them while you did it. You're not wrong. It was, it was fun. <laughs> did you seriously dress up as all... E- I saw the Princess costume, but you even did Toad and Mario? No. Since I didn't do Toad and I didn't have Princess Peach... Uh, I went all in as Princess Daisy because that I did have. <laughs> you are a brave, brave man. And a pretty, pretty lady. <laughs> <laughs> I think that covers it. Unless males have anything else to say. Well, Jake, I'm I'm dying to know, like, officially, I think we know our, you know, the other three people here, we're all resounding saying North American too. Which is your favorite between the two? If you don't mind lifting the veil off of that secret. I mean, I have to, normally I would love to disagree with you guys, but I think in this case I agree. Super Mario Brothers 2 USA, the radical change in gameplay is just stellar. And it's a game I recently revisited by playing the original Doki Doki Panic and then playing what was, you know, revamped for here. And they did an amazing job. The gameplay, I think, holds up. I do appreciate Lost Levels. Um, I hated it as a kid when I first played on All-Stars, but... Playing Mario Maker series recently has kind of reopened my appreciation for more difficult game tra- gameplay. And to see that Tezuka did both Mario Maker and Lost Levels, I could see how he did both games and how it has his like, distinct style on it. But that said, the levels are hot garbage. Like, I, can't, I can't do it. I tried playing that game and I couldn't even get halfway through. So <laughs> Mario Brothers 2 USA, for sure. I, I will say this, uh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet for the rest of the show, but... I do like Lost Levels more than Mario Brothers. Not Super Mario Brothers, but the one with the turtles coming out of the pipes. Hey, nobody likes no that way. game. No way. No way. I love that one. I used to play that one a little bit on GBA with some friends. Oh, yeah. I, I just want to say one thing, though, too. As much as I dislike the Lost Levels, you know, the popular opinion, um, it's really impressive to me how a game that really never got released in North America properly uh, until, what, almost 10 years later. Something like that that was commercially like a bomb for the most part, like in in our eyes, became probably the predecessor for 
what is known as a as a rom hack these days because that's inspiration for a lot of it. And I think that one that's one element of the game that really shines to me is that it kind of inspired other people to let's let's tweak this, let's make it harder, let's make it more satisfying to beat. And that much I really enjoy about the Lost Levels. End scene. <laughs> I I do find it interesting that it took 23 years for somebody to finally get it out of Takashi Tezuka that uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 USA was actually uh, I do believe he directed that one I could be wrong whoever the director was I might be misinformed and I apologize if I am the original the game originally released in 88 in 2011 in an interview somebody finally dragged it out of him that it was originally supposed to be a Mario game before it was Doki Doki Panic. So for a long time, it was a rumor, and then it became truth. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Like, it's one of those things where, as an original prototype, Miyamoto, it just wasn't up to his standards, but he definitely appreciates some of the innovations they're trying to do. Yeah, it, it was a prototype for an idea to make a more vertical Super Mario Brothers game. And it it, it did, and it didn't achieve that goal, I guess. I think that's some of my favorite levels, though, are the the digging ones. <laughs> yeah, what and what an interesting mechanic to give all four players uh, different speeds and stuff like that, not just for running, but for digging and climbing. I loved it. It's brilliant. Also, the panning from one side of the screen to the other in a platformer like that. Yeah. And it's not like it was something new. They did it in Kid Icarus and things like that, but Kid Icarus played so differently. Mario Brothers 2 was so frantic and fast, and you still had to deal with running off sides of screens, but only sometimes because other screens didn't do it at all, you know? And then you're getting chased by the uh, Phantom Mask, and that makes everything exponentially scarier. Oh, yeah. Like, some of those elements did make it into later Mario games, right? Fanto is basically the angry son in Mario Bros. 3. Uh, Mario 3, I think, also had vertical levels, if I'm not too wrong. I think there's some fuzzy beetles that would scroll up. All right, folks. This has been Press B to Cancel. Again, I'm your host this week, Sick Jake. You can find me at Sick Jake on Twitch or Twitter. Wolf, how about you? How can the guys find you? You can find me on Twitch or Twitter at Werewolf, W-A-R-E-W-U-L-F-F. You can find me, Pulse 109 at the retrotherapy.instagram.ca. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. This is Guy Prime from the Retro Therapy. You can find the Retro Therapy on Twitch, Twitter, Insta, YouTube, any of those wonderful platforms. And I'm Polish109. You can find me at twitch.tv slash Polish109. P-A-L-S-H-109. Great. Thanks, everybody. Special thanks for music go to Arthur the Ancient, found on SoundCloud, or The Last Ancient on YouTube. For more episodes, please visit our website, pressbtocancel.com. As well, feel free to like or subscribe at Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you'd like to listen to your favorite shows. As always, thank you. This has been... Press B to cancel.